Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we speak with the First Lady of Tennessee, Governor's wife, Chrissy Haslam. Since 2011, First Lady Chrissy Haslam's priorities have been focused on education and empowering families with resources to help children become more proficient in reading. She frequently travels the state with the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation in support of Tennessee's Imagination Library and also supports important work that is being done through organizations like The Next Door, a faith-based rehabilitation center in Nashville, Tennessee, and Thistle Farms, a social justice enterprise that embraces the survivors of trafficking, and Tennessee Fosters, a program that paves the way for children to be adopted into loving families. Chrissy shares why these causes are so important to her and how thankful she is for the blessing of serving others through her work as governor's wife. Well, my name is Chrissy Haslam, and they call me the First Lady of Tennessee. Uh, I'm just married to the governor of Tennessee, my husband Bill. I'm a a mother of three children, a grandmother of seven children, a wife, a daughter, um, lots of different roles. I was born in Houston, Texas, and I lived there until I was eight. And um, then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. My family went to church. We went to a Methodist church. Um, I remember my mom and my grandmother teaching vacation Bible school and Sunday school and um, being with them in the classroom, which was always very special. Uh, Our family was very focused on education. I think education is what brought my parents to a different um, level of earning and and of living. And and so they uh, were very... um, they thought education was very important. So I went to an all-girl school from fourth grade to 12th grade, an Episcopal school, um, uh, which was very academic, but I loved it. And I was very involved there. And uh, we had chapel every morning, which I think a lot of the graduates now look back at that time and say, what was your favorite part of, of being at that school? And they'll say chapel. I think it made a big impact on my life and, uh, and, and the direction I would go. So uh, after I graduated from high school, I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia, at Emory University. Uh, That's where I met my husband. Uh, I majored in business in finance and marketing, and he majored in history. So we had a couple of classes together, but not a whole lot. I met him three times the first week of school, so I should have known something was something was up there. But um, we didn't really start dating till the end of school. We were friends for about three years. Then a year later, after we graduated, we got engaged, and after we got married, I moved to Knoxville, and that is where we raised our children, and uh, it's where he was from and his family was from. My husband was in business for 20 years, and um, as we were raising our children, he was always involved in things in the city, trying to make it a better place and committees and commissions. And so uh, someone came to him and said, I think you should run for mayor. Um, At the time, he kind of laughed and said, no, I don't think that's for me. But uh, he ended up thinking and praying about it and then kind of changing his mind and running for mayor. It was a tough election, but he won. And um, we campaigned across the city and got to know many, many people we didn't know. You think you know a place until you campaign there and learn about every single neighborhood. Um, so that was terrific. And then he was mayor for two terms. And at the end of that time, someone came to me again and said, we think you should run for governor. So I said, well, you've done such a great job as mayor that I think, I think God is calling you to run. So I campaigned with him all across Tennessee, kind of like we'd done in Knoxville in a city. And uh, I, I really, it was hard. It was a lot of work, but it was... Uh, I really enjoyed it in the end. It was, again, you got to learn about your state. You got to meet so many people. You got to hear what they're interested in and passionate about. And um, we campaigned for almost two years. Uh, 
almost nonstop, it felt like at the time. At one point, I remember telling him, I think uh, maybe God's just called us to run for all the things we're learning in the running. Um, but then he did win, and so he was called to serve. And it has been, I think, a really good fit for him. When we were um, on the campaign trail, several people gave us Jesus Calling. And so the first one that gave it to me said, have you ever heard of this? I said, yes, I have it, but Bill doesn't have one. Thank you, and I gave it to him. So he had his own copy to read. And it really was, uh, during the campaign, it really meant a lot to us. We would read it together, and, and it often just you know, hit us right where we were. Um, but I got to know Sarah when we moved to Nashville. I heard that she had moved here, and so uh, we met through a mutual friend and then later had her over to lunch at the residence and just really enjoyed uh, getting to know her. What a wonderful person, what a sweetheart. And um, we started talking about how she gives uh, a little paperback copy of Jesus Calling to any incarcerated woman, and that most of the women in prison in Tennessee have a copy of Jesus Calling. And I thought, oh, that's just wonderful. So I um, said, well, what if, could I help get more of those uh, copies of Jesus Calling into prisons in different states? Would you allow me to tell these other first ladies how to do that? And she said, of course, that would be great. So I told several first ladies and tried to make it available to all of them. Um, and so several of them have picked, picked up on that idea and ordered the books. And many first ladies have actually taken them into the prisons and visited with the women and handed them out. And they've told me it's just been an uh, amazing experience. and. Uh, that the ladies appreciate it so much. What an opportunity he has given us to serve people and to learn and to try to make this a better place to, to live and to uh, work and to raise a family. I've been involved in, in the early years, I've been very involved in the Imagination Library here in Tennessee. And uh, you may know that was started by Dolly Parton in Sevier County, and then it was taken all across Tennessee. So it's in every county in Tennessee. And we are one of the only states that, we were the first state to have it in every county, all 95 counties. It is a program that sends an age-appropriate book to every child who registers from birth through their fifth birthday with their name on it in their mailbox once a month, receiving this book. And um, it's, it's just a tremendous program to encourage reading in the home. And another thing that I've started working on this past year is a program that we are, uh, have just gotten involved with in Tennessee called Tennessee Fosters. Um, Tennessee does a really good job of getting children adopted that once they're um, out of foster care, once they're adoptable. But we have about uh, 370, and it's down to 350 children who've been waiting to be adopted. A lot of them are sibling groups or teenagers, harder to place kids, I guess. And so um, we are working with uh, some organizations to try to get those children adopted. I have this dream, it won't happen while, while we're in charge, I know, but I have this dream that uh, one day we'll be able to say that all the children in Tennessee get a forever family. And certainly we can all help those families. We can wrap around them and we can take them a meal or buy them a bunk bed if they need that or help them babysit every once in a while. Um, help these families who are uh, helping these children by bringing them into their family. I also think there's some wonderful work being done around trafficking in Tennessee and there's uh, In Slavery Tennessee and Thistle Farms is working with those women who have been in, in slavery and um, so just so many, so many things to work on and so many wonderful things happening. 
Uh, obviously, I'm very proud of my state, and uh, I think part of that is because I've gotten to learn so much and I've gotten to see so many of these things happening, and that has been a real blessing to me. Being thankful uh, is one of those one of, one of the most important things for us to remember. I think it helps us take our eyes off ourselves and helps us look at, uh, at things with a different perspective because we realize we can't do it on our own and we need uh, the Lord, but we also need the, the people the Lord's put around us and the, the gifts that He's given us. And um, so I think, gosh, if I, want, if I wanted my grandchildren to know one thing, I'd want them to uh, know how to be grateful. And so uh, this Thanksgiving, um, we'll be gathering and enjoying each other and, and hopefully focusing on all those things that we are thankful for and grateful for. Um, and I hope everyone else is able to do the same thing. To find out more about all of the great initiatives First Lady Chrissy Haslam is supporting, please visit jesuscalling.com podcast, and you'll find the links to all of the organizations in the transcript to this podcast episode. Are you looking for the perfect gift for a friend, family member, or loved one who needs a little more peace and joy in their lives? Lifeway Christian Stores will be featuring Jesus Calling and Jesus Always for just $5 each for one day only, Saturday, November 25th. Shop in any Lifeway Christian Store or go online to lifeway.com to get your copies of Jesus Calling by Sarah Young or the newest 365-day devotional by Sarah, Jesus Always, for only $5 each on Saturday, November 25th. Our next guest comes to us from Thistle Farms, a social justice enterprise that embraces and supports women who are survivors of trafficking, abuse, and addiction. Brenda Wilson's life imploded after the death of her grandmother. Alone and in an unfamiliar city that seemed full of danger around every corner, Brenda lost her way. After 20 years of wandering, she walked through a door that God opened for her at Thistle Farms. She goes on to tell us what happened when she realized that she does actually matter to God and to others. My name is Brenda Wilson. I grew up on the countryside of Huntsville, Alabama. As a child, I can remember um, running through the fields chasing butterflies and picking berries. Um, my grandmother cooked a whole lot and climbing trees and getting peaches and apples and pears. Um, it was always something good cooking in the kitchen. The smell was always phenomenal. You know, we could always be excited about a fresh pie or cobbler or something that evening. Um, for me, that was a, a, there was no place like home. There was always um, a good feel of family and love in my household. I had lots and lots of cousins and we would just run and play all day long. The country was a real safe place for me. Later in life, we moved to Nashville, which to me was a frightening place because the city had so many people, it had far too many people for me and too much, uh, far too much chaos. Uh, there was always something happening. Um, I, I never heard the sounds of sirens and um, people squabbling and it, it, was, it was just a different place and a different feel for me. I was in seventh grade when, I, when we moved to Nashville. Uh, it took me a minute to 
adapt to the city life because I, every chance I got, I went back home. Um, I started spending more time, you know, being in Nashville, but I was still been exposed to so many things, uh, so many different people, different attitudes, different personalities, different characters, but I still had my country upbringing embedded, which made me naive and shy. And I could always hear my grandmother in my ear telling me, now you know I'm not going for that. So it was hard for me to go for it. But um, still, I, was, I found myself being associated. A lot of times, I was along for the ride and assumed or thought to be more knowledgeable of what was transpiring than I really knew. But I was always under the protection of my grandmother. I just loved her. She was like my right-hand man, you know? My mom was in my life as well, but she was a single parent, so she worked a lot. So my grandmother had, uh, I had more personal and molding time with her. Uh, when she passed away, I was 30 years old when my grandmother passed away. I began to suffer with separation anxiety and depression, and I began to lose my way. I found myself wandering aimlessly um, in addiction for some 20 odd years. And I know to some they may seem old or up in age, but you have to understand the difference between being 30 in the country and being 30 in the city. There's more compassion, there's more empathy, there's more consideration uh, on the country aspect. And I found the city to be cold and heartless and empty. Uh, and lonely um, and dangerous, very dangerous. It was a very dark time in my life and I felt hopeless and worthless because my life was just torn, you know, it was just tossed upside down and I, I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have any skills. All I had was grandma's love and it was gone. So in an attempt to gain control, uh, I admitted myself into a recovery program called the Hope Center. And this was a spiritual-based recovery program. There I was introduced to a daily meditation book entitled Jesus Calling. It was written by Sarah Young. This book was so powerful to me because it was as if I was in the presence of the Lord and He understood all my disparities. Every day, Jesus would walk with me and talk with me, assuring me that I was his own. He would say, lean not into your own understanding, but to acknowledge me in all my ways, that he loved me and that he would never leave me nor forsake me. But this passage says that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. It says, you are mine for all times. Nothing can separate me from you from my love. Since I invested my very life in you, be well assured that I will always take care of you. When your mind goes into neutral and your thoughts flow freely, you tend to feel anxious and alone. Your focus becomes problem solving. To get your mind back in the gear, just turn toward me, bring yourself and your problems into my presence. Many problems vanish instantly in the light of my love. 
because you realize you are never alone. Other problems may remain, but they become secondary to knowing me and rejoicing in the relationship that I so freely offer you. Each moment you can choose to practice my presence or to practice my presence in your problems. I believe that the love of God led me to this place of healing for my brokenness. I found this place, Thistle Farms, to be where love heals. It is the most powerful force of change, and I'm a living testimony of how love heals has changed my life. I became a resident of a two-year recovery program called Magdalene. It was a blessing because they took on all my anger, my frustrations, my hostilities, my pain, my guilt, my shame, my sorrow, and gave me the opportunity to uh, address those issues. Uh, I, had, I had a therapist, I had a psychiatrist. Uh, they attended to my physical needs, my dental needs, um, provided a nice place for me to stay for two years rent-free, um, and I just did whatever they suggested. You know, I didn't go in self-centered and 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 headstrong. Well, I'm 59 years old. How are you gonna tell me what to do? I was just open for suggestions. Whatever it was they told me to do, I committed myself to doing it. And I'm so grateful today that I did. There's a lot of shame, guilt, and remorse that comes along with addiction. And it's because you're making spontaneous decisions that doesn't have any basis, um, any value, uh, little consideration to anything or anybody. So it allowed me to put myself on the opposite side of the fence. How would I feel if somebody was reacted to me? Like it, it showed me myself. We all laugh together, we cry together, we support one another. Um, they check you if you're wrong. They hug you if you're right. Uh, you learn to give and, and, and share unconditionally. And it's not about poor, poor pill for me anymore. And that's a powerful statement. It's amazing how so much brokenness can uh, give so much healing. I now have four years clean. I'm active in my recovery. My recovery is my responsibility. And um, I take pride in, in being a more holder, more complete person. Um, I love the life I live now. I'm so grateful to God for second chances. Because when I entered the program, I was 59 years old. I'm 63 now. And I just, I was convinced that my life was over. You know, that there was nothing, uh, that there was no good in me left that could serve anybody. And Becca's vision and God's love showed me differently. Uh, I'm an active part of Thistle Farms. Um, I do speaking engagements. Uh, I represent the company kind of well, I think. I do sales events, um, and I lead my team. I've been in a 30-day program before, and for years of um, being lost, 30 days just don't seem to be enough time to cut it. But she envisioned 20 years ago that it took more 
than just a book, a pencil, piece of paper, and just saying I won't do it anymore to change lives. That women needed someone and something to be invested in them. And God gave her a vision to invest in the broken woman. And I tell you, her purpose in life is just to save. What's so amazing is that it's not a selfish attempt. She spread her love all around the world. It's just not the women right here in Nashville. It's, it's injustice and cruelty and brokenness to women everywhere. And that's amazing to me. It's amazing that her heart is so big that she had room for me in it. To learn more about the work of Thistle Farms and the Magdalene Program, please visit thistlefarms.com. Today's featured passage comes from the January 22nd entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Strive to trust me in more and more areas of your life. Anything that tends to make you anxious is a growth opportunity. Instead of running away from these challenges, embrace them, eager to gain all the blessings I have hidden in the difficulties. If you believe that I am sovereign over every aspect of your life, it is possible to trust me in all situations. Don't waste energy regretting the way things are or thinking about what might have been. Start at the present moment, accepting things exactly as they are, and search for my way in the midst of those circumstances. Trust is like a staff you can lean on as you journey uphill with me. If you are trusting in me consistently, the staff will bear as much of your weight as needed. Lean on, trust, and be confident in me with all your heart and mind. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.